think one of the things that Christine mentioned was that I'm a pretty blunt person. So is it okay if I'm blunt today? Okay, great, because I was going to anyways, and I can't, I can't not be. So I think I know a secret about you. I think that you are not who you think you are, okay? I think you know yourself really well, or at least you think you do, and so you really think you understand who you are and how you act, why you behave the way you do, and I feel like my mic is also going out, but it's going to be okay anyways. But it's not true. You don't really understand yourself. It's a delusion that you made up, okay? And I get it. If you called me delusional, I would call you delusional back, so you have to let me make my case, okay? And I'm going to make my case real quick. But you probably think that you're the person that knows yourself the best. Because I think I know myself the best. Like, i got to be in this brain 24-7, and you probably got to be in that brain 24-7, and that's worse for some of y'all than others, but good luck with that. Anyways, you probably think that other people don't really understand you, that they don't really understand why you are the way you are, and they can't truly know you as you know yourself, that they have this certain picture of you that's not completely accurate. But my claim is that you have a certain picture of yourself as well that's also not accurate, okay? And it's a picture that you made up because you have all these different like aspects of your life, you know, how you are, the, why you believe the things you believe, why you act the way you do. You have all these qualifications and um, justifications in your brain for like, why everything works the way it does. But it doesn't really fit together. See, you've like brought all these pieces together, like this piece comes from here and this piece comes from here, and they don't really fit together, but we just like mesh it all together and try to make it work, but it really doesn't work, okay? Everything doesn't work together, and you just say it's fine, and you create this delusion, and you think you're put together and that you're justified in yourself, but this solution doesn't really make everything okay. It just makes everything think that it's okay, right? And so I think this leads to you being dishonest with yourself and even more so being dishonest with God about who you are. And I think it has some really negative side effects, like it's really making you miserable and angry, and you just can't figure out why, okay? So to back up my claim, all right, I think that you recognize that something's not right. And you'd be like accurate in your assessment of that, but I don't think the cause of that is what you think it is, right? So you think that what's making you anxious and angry and everything is everyone else not really understanding what's going on, and maybe you're making mistakes, and it's just you, you're the problem. But it's because the reality of who you are and why you do the things that you do doesn't match up with this delusion that you've created. And so that's the problem that we're going to address because it gets really destructive for someone, right? To be in two places at once and really separated and all that. So the biggest part of this disconnect, I will claim, is that reality and delusion, they don't mix, right? There's a separation and it doesn't let you be who God wants you to be. Your delusion, it doesn't let you 
be who God intends for you to be. Since your delusion is so disconnected from reality, you aren't able to perceive what's real. You're not really able to perceive where you've fallen short of what God commands of you. And so, since you can't perceive this, you've made yourself okay. Or at least okay in the areas that you really just would rather not touch because you think it's unfixable or it doesn't really matter or whatever the case is. And in reality, like you really do need change and growth to become the person that God intends for you to be. Um, this delusion, it's limiting you, it's limiting God's work in your life, but we choose this delusion because we really like contentment, even if it's not real. We really like to be okay with ourselves, but even if you like don't like who you are, you're at least comfortable with it, and you're comfortable with staying as you are because you've been that way for 18, 21 years. I don't know how old you are, but... Then you're gonna interject here, okay, in my hypothesis, and you're gonna say, Caitlin, I do not claim to be perfect. I don't, I, I don't claim to know everything. I'm just trying to do the best I can. I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to follow Jesus the best I can. And so that's not what I'm claiming. I'm not claiming that you're perfect, but I am claiming that you're not following Jesus like you think you are. You're not as obedient as you think you are. And so, you do all these things to just avoid what God really intends for you to do. And it's because we want to be okay with where we're at and with what we're doing, that what we do is, in our delusion, we, we create this false sense of religion that matches with our delusion, and we come up like, we all do this. We come up with these really religious feeling things that make us feel like we're really good at serving God when, in fact, those aren't actually the things that God really commanded for us to do, you know? But I think if you were to be honest with yourself about what God says you should do and how God says you should be, it would really freak you out, and you'd feel like a failure, and you'd feel like you could never be that. And so it's safer in your delusion, and so we avoid the simple commands of Jesus and we go with whatever makes us look religious, whatever makes us look like we're really following God so we don't have to look at the messy stuff, you know? And so we make things like being a good person our religion, right? And so being a good person, all you have to do is you're really kind to people and you don't really upset people, and if you do that, awesome. And then you get to follow Jesus, and that's how it works. Or maybe you say that knowing a lot of things, knowing a lot of what the Bible says, and being able to give all the right answers, maybe that's become your religion. And if you do that, then you're following Jesus really well. And so whatever we want to do, whatever we feel capable of, that's what we're okay with Jesus asking of us. But we do all these things just to feel right with God, but not actually thinking about what God commands us to do and just doing that, even if we fail. And so what's real? Like, I hope you're not spiraling, I guess, because if you're called delusional, that might make you spiral, but it'll be okay by the end, okay? So what's real? Like, what do you do with this information?
Well, I've said that you aren't who you think you are, and you aren't who God wants you to be yet. Well, the solution to not being who God wants you to be, the solution to living in this delusional religion is to be grounded in reality and to find out what's real and what's important and what matters and let our lives and what we do and how we are and how we speak to people and the choices that we make line up with that reality instead of lining up with some delusion that makes what we're already doing okay, right? But the problem is none of us really like reality because reality check is hard, you know? And to acknowledge who you really are and to acknowledge that you aren't who you think you are, like, that concept may even seem delusional to you that I would claim that you need to do that. But I don't know. I like confrontation. Do any of y'all like confrontation? Only one person. That's so sad. That's so sad. What do I do? I hope whenever I confront y'all, it's not that upsetting because I actually kind of enjoy it a little bit. But, oh well. So this, this concept of facing reality, it seems really impossible and really hard and scary, and it feels so far removed from what we've been doing, from what feels safe and comfortable, and what we've done our whole life, especially if you grow up in church. And it seems so far off, so we don't really want to risk jumping in that. We don't really want to risk it because you're afraid you're going to fail, that it's not possible to be that person and to live in that reality. But reality is this. I claim that reality is that you'll become what you do, and the converse of it, that you'll, you won't become what you don't do. And so if you want to live in reality and follow God, what God actually says, then you need to at least try, right? Because reality is also not that you're going to do everything perfect, that's not the reality that I'm talking about, but somewhere along the line, in facing what reality is and facing the word of God, you've already, like, dismissed yourself from being capable of those things, and so then you step back into your delusion where it's safe and comfortable. But I think it's a universal concept that if you want to be good at anything, you need to at least try with some measly little step, you know? Like, if you want to be a good runner, you've got to at least, like, start to try to jog, maybe. If you want to be a good driver, you probably, like, well, I guess you need to have a car. But you need to jump in the car and then, like, turn the keys and then actually press the gas pedal, hopefully in, like, a parking lot or something and not, like, on the highway. But I guess that's your decision, too. Um, but if you never do these things, you don't think you can ever be good at these things because you never really tried them, you know? And, like, that's why I procrastinate things. I'm sure that's why some of you procrastinate things, because you just don't want to do it, and you feel like it's going to take a lot of time for me to do this well, and I don't want to put that much time in it. So I'm just going to let it get to the very end, and then what I can do is what I can do. That's why we procrastinate. But in the same way, I think you think that you can't obey God because you feel like you'll fail at it, and you already discount yourself, you know? Um, then the second part of our delusion kicks in, and we're like, well, we actually should be good at that. We actually should be that person. And so I'm just going to go ahead and tell everybody that I am that person, 
and see what happens. I think I'll get away with it. And so we don't ever really have to face any real action after that. We just remove ourselves from those situations and we keep up the delusion to ourselves and to other people. Um, and you're like telling other people that you're following Jesus and you're doing all the things, like you're showing up at the right places, like you made it here tonight, congrats. And then you say all the right things or you give the right answers or you respond how a Christian would. Um, but none of those things are directly what Jesus commands us to do as a follower of Jesus, or at least it's not in the entirety of it, right? And so you deceive not only yourself, but a lot of other people, and because this is a major problem, because a lot of people do it, they also deceive you, and so it's this whole delusion that we're somehow all living in in different ways together, and we're just kind of okay with it, right? We're comfortable. But again, reality is that you'll become what you do. And so if you want to learn to drive a car, you have to actually get in the car and start to drive. If you want to learn stuff, learn new information, you have to come face to face with information that you've never heard before, with information that might even contradict what you think, and you have to face it, and you have to learn. Um, because like, if you never come face to face with that information, if you never read a book, if you never listen to a podcast, you can't call yourself a learner. And in the same way, like, you can't really call yourself an evangelist if you never really share the gospel. Like, that doesn't work together either. Um, and I also don't think you can claim to follow Jesus if you don't do what Jesus says. Because following Jesus means doing what he says. And so do it. But don't misconstrue what I'm saying and don't misconstrue what I think, you think, I think Jesus is saying, right? Um, you won't be perfect. That's also not reality, like I said. But you have to at least try. And if you never attempt, you'll just remain as you always have been. And you'll be in your delusion, and I guess you'll be safe. But you won't be living in reality. And so that's the disconnect. That's the problem. And so then... You're going to get to this point where you're faced with a really obvious decision about, okay, this is what obedience to Jesus looks like, and this is what it definitely doesn't look like. What am I going to do? And either you are going to try, and maybe you're even going to fail, but maybe you're going to attempt to follow what Jesus commands, or you're going to step back into your delusion and not do anything. And living in that delusion, you're going to continue in it, and it's in that moment when you make that decision that you're becoming who you are. And either that's who God wants you to be or that's what you think God wants you to be and you're okay with that. So it's a strong claim. I know I am too blunt, but don't worry, James is blunt too. Um, so we're going to look at James because this delusion versus reality concept, it's not something I, I made up. If you think by the end of this I made it up, then you can call me delusional. I think that'll be okay. Um, but it was a problem when James was around. It's been a problem ever since. There wasn't something that happened like in the year 2000 that like made us all delusional or something. Um, so we're going to start in James chapter 1 and 
in this letter, he's addressing these people who are claiming to be religious and to live for God, but James, he sees their delusion. So, in James chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 22. All right. So, in James chapter 1, verse 22, he says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing in it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. But religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So I don't really know how James could be any more straightforward. He's pretty blunt, too. We could probably be friends, maybe. I don't know. But in this letter, James, he's addressing these Jewish believers from all over. They're in multiple different places, and they kind of pass it around. But he sees that they haven't given up their sinful hearts, that they're making a whole bunch of arguments and, um, and fights, and they really do not care for one another. They also don't care for people in need. And so then James sees that they're also just like boasting about themselves, about how religious they are, and he sees that it doesn't match, right? And so he writes this letter to encourage them in what genuine religion is, in what genuine faith is, where action follows, right? And so the main thrust of his argument, of his letter, is here at the end of chapter 1 that we just read. And in verse, like, 22, he says, he opens it, and he says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. And now, like, his audience, they obviously thought they were very religious and devout believers, um, but they deceived themselves. So that doesn't really make sense. You know, like, how are you going to sit there and say someone deceived themselves? Like, it doesn't make sense that you'd be able to somehow know and believe the correct things, but then also have deceived themselves. That just doesn't make sense. So James explains it in the next verse. In verse 23, he follows and says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And so this is what's happening. These Jewish believers, they see, for example, like some dirt on their face, right? And they walk away, and they say, um, don't I look so good? And his friends are like, friend, no. You just saw the dirt on your face. What are you doing? Wash it off. And they're still, they're still like, I don't know what you're talking about. I think I'm pretty clean. And so that's what they do with their sin, with their sense of righteousness. They see it, and then they completely just say they forget about it. It's like it all just left their head, right? And so God, he already revealed his word to them. They were Jewish believers. They grew up. They understood what God had commanded. 
and then they walk away and they boast about how religious they are and how um, faithful to Jesus they are and devoted, but it's obviously plain that you can't be devoted to God and follow him if you don't do what he says, right? And so James says the same thing for us, that we've looked at ourselves in a mirror and you left and you forgot what you look like, and that's the delusion that he's explaining. That's the delusion that we live in, and because of this delusion, you aren't who you think you are. And that's my claim, that you aren't who you think you are. And I think that's James's claim, too, that you have this idea of what you look like, and it's not what you would see if you looked in the mirror, right? They wouldn't match. Um, like, you may have these moments where, where you see what God commands. You, you go to a church service, you listen to a sermon, you, um, you read your Bible, or someone confronts you about this, whatever, and you walk away and you, like, immediately forget, just for some reason, like, they, like, zapped you with one of those, like, memory things. And you go away and you just forget what God told you you ought to do. Um, and some people, they've deceived themselves into this delusional state of believing that they're obedient Christians when, in fact, they just really aren't because there isn't any evidence for it. And so the problem is you can't live in this delusion forever, or at least it's not healthy to, right? And if you choose to, you won't become what God intends for you to be, like I claimed in the beginning, because if you refuse to do anything about what you've seen and what you've heard, and you pretend like you're okay and everything's fine, and you pretend like you're somehow still following Jesus, you'll never actually be able to follow Jesus because, like, I mean, it's logical, like, I guess how Christine described me, like, the logic is, okay, you don't, you won't do what he says if you just pretend like he didn't say it, you know? Like, that just wouldn't make sense. That's the delusion, right? And so, what did the Jewish believers do when they heard the word but they didn't do it? Well, I think, along with my claim, they created this false religion that matched their delusion so that they were able to claim that they were religious. So, in verse 26 of that same chapter, in chapter 1, he finishes out his statement by saying, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. But religion that God our Father accepts as pure and flawless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And so they considered themselves religious, but they didn't understand that what they said and what they did, it didn't communicate that they followed Jesus. So it showed that their religion was not really to follow God, but their religion was really to follow the sense of righteousness that they had. And so then they made that claim. And now they get to be their justifiers, you know? And they get to live in their delusion, and they're all happy. But it has some um, pretty negative side effects. So James, he continues on in the second chapter, like you would if you were to explain things further. Um, and he, he basically just, like, continues in, like, the absurdity of this. So if you look at James chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 14. He makes a pretty 
funny, but I guess serious claim. Um, he says in verse 14, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. And James follows and says, show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there's one God? Then good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. And so, okay, imagine this situation, all right? Imagine you have this friend. Maybe I'm your friend, okay? I don't know. But imagine you have this friend who um, says that they have no food the whole day, and they don't have any money, and they don't have any means to get any food in the future. And you say, well, goodness, go and get some food if you're hungry. Like, I mean, wouldn't you think that's delusional too? Joel does, at least. He laughed. Um, but yeah, like, their sense of religion was to say, go in peace, but yet do nothing about it. And so what God actually wanted them to do was to actually feed the person, to actually clothe the person, and their delusion let them believe that they still somehow f had faith, right? And so James continues on by saying here that there's literally no way to claim that you have real faith if you just have a mere acknowledgement of God's existence. Um, so he says at the end of what I just read in verse 19, he says, you believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. And so James knows that they understand what God's commanded them to do, how he's instructed them to live, but they've refused to live in that reality that God's commanded them and what God's made. And, I mean, I get it. It's a dramatic argument that James is making, but he says, like, that even the demons know what those believers knew, yet at least the demons, they shudder and they flee. And then the believers, they just sit there in their, their delusional state. But to truly believe in Jesus, to truly follow Jesus, it means to feed the person that Jesus tells you to feed, to clothe the person that Jesus tells you to clothe, like Jesus would always say, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he said that. And so to refuse, they could only still believe in God if they just made a claim that, that God was real, but they had no action to follow that. And so James was just telling them that that's not real faith. Um, and so again, like, how do they solve this delusion? Well, the solution to living in this delusional religion for them was to be grounded in reality, to be grounded in what Jesus actually commanded them, and to dwell on it, to do it, um, to no longer live in delusion. All they simply needed to do was to do what Jesus told them to do. Where there was a need, they just provided for it. When they got into arguments, hold about their tongues, we knew that was a problem because that was at the end of verse um, chapter one, but the reality of following God is doing what he says, and if you know what the will of God is, and you don't do it, then that's rebellious, and that's not following Jesus, and so, again, what do you do? 
What do you do the next time? What are these people going to do the next time that they're faced with a situation and with someone before them saying, I'm hungry, or someone before them who doesn't know Jesus, or something, any situation before them where they know what the obedient thing to do is, are they going to do it or are they not going to do it? And so we have this question too, you know? We sit here and maybe in our delusion, if we pick it, it would look like to trick ourselves into believing that we really are obedient by some spiritual excuse that we make up, something that we did good, like, okay, well, I mean, I went to church on Sunday, or I came here, and thinking that that removes all other commands of Jesus isn't real, and that's delusional. Um, if, if you think that it removes your responsibility to make disciples, or to, to change your heart where where God points out sin, or to, um, to feed the, the needy, then, then that's delusional. Or maybe you pretend like, like Jesus just like means something else completely. And so maybe you hear the command and you're like, okay, go make disciples. And so you go walk away and you're like, okay, I'm going to be really kind to people. And I'm like, okay, that's not it. Um, or if someone says, not someone, if God says, repent of your sin, and then you go away and you're like, okay, I'm not going to do the exact same thing, but I'm going to do something similar, but it feels more justified. That's also not the same thing. That's not real. That's delusional. Um, that's good. Maybe good things that you do, but it's not what he told you to do. And so reality is to hear the command of God and to do it. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If we love him, we'll keep his commandments. And so, again, like, I, I feel like I need to make this preface, I don't know, that to follow Jesus, it, it just isn't to be perfect. Like, we, we think we go from one extreme to the other extreme, and we think we have to be exactly what he calls us to be, exactly at this moment, right now, and if we don't, then it's not possible ever, and we can't ever get there. But to follow Jesus is to become more like him, and that's continual, and that's gradual, um, because we know, like, we won't be perfect until he comes back to restore all things. So you have to at least start to try just a little bit, because another logical argument is that you'll never do the things that God calls you to do if you never at least attempt, right? And so the reality, again, to back up my claim, is that you'll become what you do. So if God commands us, commands us to repent, then maybe by start, start by trying to turn away from that sin. If Jesus commands us to go make disciples, start by building a new relationship, just the beginning of it, you know? Um, like, if we were to follow the command at the end of James 1, and God says to, um, to stay unpolluted from the world, then start by removing one of those things from your life. But I know that I can be aggressive and blunt, you know, and that you're probably, like, overwhelmed, and it still feels like there's too much to do, and it's not possible, and you feel like the way you've been going at it seems pretty all right to yourself, 
And I understand, like, again, like, if you called me delusional, I'm going to call you delusional back, okay? But we wouldn't pick our delusion if we thought it was delusion. Like, why would you do that? Unless you're actually delusional, I guess. I don't know. But this whole time I've been saying that you're not who you think you are, but no person just readily accepts that and then is like, okay, great. I'll change. You know, I'll do the exact same thing. But we all like our delusion, even if it's in small portions. You know, even if you recognize some of the things, we're still delusional in some other little aspect of our life. But we choose delusion for some reason. And we all might have different reasons, you know? Like, maybe you choose delusion because your delusion, it seems like, in your delusion, it seems like you're more faithful than other people. You're like, oh, well, I do more than Susie Q over here, so I feel like I'm doing pretty good, you know? Um, and you've convinced yourself that doing that, being better than someone else, is meeting God's expectations, but it's not. And so you think that since you went to church, you made it, or since you read your Bible this morning, that you've made it, or since you lead a small group, okay, you've made it. But no, like, God, he really does, he wants to transform our hearts completely. And so being faithful in some area doesn't mean that he's calling you to faithfulness in even other areas. So maybe, maybe I got it wrong, and maybe it's like the other way around. And maybe your delusion is that you just never actually attempted to follow Jesus in any meaningful way. And so no one's called you out on it before. And so you're just fine with it. Like, maybe you have, like, a lot of really wise advice for how people can fix their relational problems. And you've never actually been in a healthy relationship yourself. I'm not talking about, like, just romantic relationships, but, like, anything with friends, whatever other people. And so that's like when someone who's never done something tells you to um, fix the problem. Like, I was jumping off this girl's car one time, and she just said, why don't you just, like, hold the nodes of the, of the um, jumper cable together, and it'll just charge up really quickly so that then you can just, like, jump it off really quickly. And I'm like, listen, like, that might create a little more spark than, like, we have right now, but you also, like, might blow yourself up in the process. So maybe we're not going to try doing that. Um, and so, like, these ideas that we have of what it looks like to follow Jesus, they seem like they're pretty good, and so we advise other people on it. And then we never actually attempted ourselves because, like, somewhere in the back of our mind, we're like, actually, I don't know if that might work, but they can try it. Um, and then it all just falls apart when you try to do it. And so the solution to this delusional state that you're in, it's simply, it's just to attempt to live an obedient light, life to God, to live out your faith in some real, in some meaningful way, and you're not going to be perfect at it, but you have to make at least an attempt at the next right thing. And maybe you're overwhelmed with all the ideas of what you have to do, with so many things that God commands us to do, and it's so overwhelming, and we don't know how to respond to that. But, but it's still a delusion, and the solution is still 
to take the next little step at it. Because you have to ask yourself, like, are you content in your delusion? Are you content with where that may take you? Or do you want to try to take a little step, even if you fail, towards what God commands us to do? And again, it's when you make that decision that that really reflects how you follow Jesus, if you follow Jesus. And so you kind of just have to stop making excuses and either say, I'm not going to attempt it, or I will, and see what happens. But maybe you also have another reason for delusion. Maybe you're still overwhelmed and you still feel like a failure, like you're going to fail at everything, because maybe for some of you, like, you don't even claim to follow Jesus, but it feels like what you know you would need to surrender to Jesus is just too much. And so maybe even say, okay, I could accept the claims of Jesus, but what I would have to give up is too much, and I don't know if it's worth it. But but I understand, like, you do lose, you do lose things when you follow Jesus, but he also gives you eternal life, he gives you peace, he's the one who created you, and that's the reality that it is, and so if you believe that, you don't have to sit in delusion by yourself, um, and not be comfortable with surrendering more, because like, just like the psalm said, Jesus, he, he gives us his Holy Spirit to, to help us and to comfort us, and not only that, but he also instructs us how to be the body of Christ. And so when one person is failing, the other person comes to help them up. When one person's mourning, they come to mourn with them. And so maybe you do lose more when you follow Jesus, but you don't have to do it alone. And so maybe you also have this other fear of failure if you already do claim to follow Jesus. And let's say like, you got really inspired at this one, like, retreat or something, and then you made a bunch of plans, and you already envisioned the next, like, five years of your life, or maybe even, like, the rest of your life, and you're like, it's going to be great, and I already know what I'm going to do, and I already have these plans, and maybe even already tell people about it, but then, like, two months passed, and you're like, I did none of that. I did none of that, and I failed, so what do I do? Like, the solution to all these things, the solution to all the reasons why we're in this delusion is the same thing, to take just a little step towards obedience and just do the next right thing that applies to your life. And you don't need to figure out all the things at once. Like, you don't need to figure out, okay, if I'm going to feed people, I don't have to figure out how I'm going to feed every single hungry person on this planet. Or if you're going to start trying to make disciples, you don't have to figure out how you're going to make every single disciple on this planet, because that's also not real, and that's also a delusion, and we can't do that. Um, So don't jump from one extreme to the other extreme, but live in the reality of what God commanded us to do, because he knows that we're still sinful, and he knows that we still make mistakes, and we still fail, but he asks us to do it anyways, because he wants to transform us to be like him. And so we're going to spend some time in prayer, and I just want you to reflect on these things. I want you to spend time 
and ask God, what is it that you want me to be obedient to next? What do you want me to be obedient to today? And then decide to do that thing. And then when you've done that thing, think about what you need to be obedient to next and then do that thing. It can be a process. It can be slow. It can be step by step. Um, But we're going to pray about that. And I want you to think about these things. Think about what's the last thing that you think God commanded you to do and you just didn't do it. Maybe it's years ago. I don't know. Maybe it was last week. Maybe you're thinking about it right now. Ask God, what's the little step that you want me to take to be obedient to that? Even if I fail, what's one little thing that I can do to move forward in following you? Because I want to do that. And so maybe that next little step, maybe you have no idea what it is. So spend this time to think about it. Spend this time to evaluate your life. And maybe you already know what you do. Um, Maybe it looks like repentance for some of you for something that you did. Or maybe it looks like talking to that person that you need to talk to. Um, who doesn't know Jesus, or changing something in your schedule next week, or I don't know what it looks like, Um, but other people can also help you figure it out too, because if you feel like you don't know what to do, maybe you even see the problem, you just have no idea what even the solution is, or maybe you just need help taking that step, ask someone to do it with you. Ask someone, okay, this is what I'm thinking, help me get there, Um, and so we'll do that. So you're free to pray. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have music um, that's just playing on in the background for y'all, but we're going to sit for a few minutes and um, think about it, decide what the next step is, and take a step towards it in the next day or so, okay? So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to spend some time in prayer again, and then We're going to close out. So, if you'll pray with me. Dear Lord, um, I just thank you that that you've revealed your word to us, that you speak to us, and you um, you care about where we are, and you care about transforming our heart, that you don't leave us to do it alone. And so I just pray that you give us humility to submit to you, to care about, how we follow you, and to take even small steps, Lord, reveal, um, Lord, just release that anxiety or fear that we have of, of failure or what that might look like if we take that step, what that might risk or what that might mean for us to lose. But Lord, let us humble ourselves before you because we trust you as king. So in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Troy Chi Alpha podcast. For more information about the ministry of Troy Chi Alpha, you can look us up online at troychialpha.com. You can email us at troychialpha at gmail.com or find us on social media at Troy Chi Alpha. Thanks for listening.